0: Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about
1: Stargate SG-1 season three, episode 19, New Ground. Just kidding! Ha ha. You actually Which, have your confused her. by that joke? Go listen to last week's episode, and you'll understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, did it actually happen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, ha,
1: ha. No, we're talking about season three episode <laughs> nine Rules of Engagement. It's
0: <laughs> like goddamn, it finally happened.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I had to.
0: Oh, you you and your tricks.
1: Yep. You yeah. know me. So you did watch rules of engagement, right?
0: Yes, I okay, did Okay, good. That okay. is the one I watched.
1: Okay. Did you so remember <laughs> did you remember this
0: one? You know, I I remembered it once it got started. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's this one. Mm-hmm. It was one of those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Funnily enough, I think it's like this one and Newground, I kind of I don't really get but like the the episode titles kind of trick me up a little bit. hmm So anyway, no. Not Newground. Rules of Engagement. Yay. Which um we'll get to some of the fun stuff I got to
0: research for this week. Oh, yeah! you, you researched actual, like, rules of engagement articles of war gamesy things? A full 98-page document. Holy crap. Wait, that you actually found on the internet yeah. available to you? Yeah,
1: I, will, I will tell you all about it when we get there, yes.
0: Oh, man, okay. Yeah.
1: We'll it's do interesting it.
0: Because do it. Get in there.
1: I think because the rules of engagement aren't what you think they are. Mm, okay. So we'll get into that.
0: Oh, that's fun fact number one, then.
1: Perhaps, yes. So, this episode originally aired on August 20th, 1999. It was written by Terry Curtis Fox and directed by William Garrity. And in this episode, SG-1 lands in the middle of a blazing battle between Stargate soldiers and a Jaffa army. Believing the soldiers to be the missing-in-action SG-11 team, O'Neill and the others provide assistance until the mystery team turns its weapons on (gasps) SG-1. What? This is... This is, might be one of my favorite openings of an episode. Like just, you know, how it all goes down and you're just like, you're really left with what is going on when they like get to the cut to opening credits. Yeah. It's very interesting.
0: I did like this one. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So we start with SG-1 on an alien planet searching for a downed UAV, which those things seem to get shot down a lot. Thank you. I was just thinking about like how many episodes open with SG-1 searching for a downed UAV like in the last however many episodes we've done mm-hmm. like it seems to happen a lot I don't know if it's a fault of the UAV or if you know the planets they're going to have people and people are like what's that thing let's shoot it I don't know but and they never find it that's the other
0: thing they
1: never find it
0: that's what the seven million dollar budget seven billion dollar budget amounts to <laughs> malps and uavs that just mysteriously go off into nowhere well they found it in dead man switch because that's mm. how he trapped
1: them but like they didn't find it here and like yeah i don't know they never find them well hardly ever i guess because they did find it one week but
0: anyway. So, so there's gonna be some outtake somewhere where somebody has a U of A UAV and they're like, Found it. We go home now. It was like two feet from the gate. We so, go.
1: It's just right there. How yeah. did you walk by it? Right it's right there. It's a big white thing in the middle of a green forest. How do you miss it?
0: Yes. Found um, it. Let's go home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um So anyway, so they start to hear what sounds like staff weapons being fired. So they take cover on, like, the edge of this embankment. They run up and they see an SG team, like, under fire from a group of Jaffa. And there's not supposed to be any other SG teams on this planet, obviously, because why would SG one be there? And Daniel suggests it might be the missing SG-11 who went MIA months ago on P89354. Well, whoever they are, like they're about to be overrun. They're kind of pinned down behind some rocks and like a huge Jaffa army enclosing on them. So Jack tries to reach them over the radio, but they're not responding. So SG-1 managed to sort of make it down the little hill and take cover behind some rocks near them personal note that shot of jack and daniel must have been one of like the promo shots for this series where they're like hunkered down right next to each other behind that rock because that image is like burned into my brain so severely
0: iconic ones
1: it's just yeah one of those iconic ones that's like oh that's a stargate thing
0: do you find it weird that as soon as they heard the staff weapons they were like aha, we must go find out what that is instead of being like Holy crap, something's going on here. We should radio for backup. I
1: mean, at this point in the show, no, because they never call for backup. Why would they call for backup? They don't do that.
0: Call. They don't pay attention to our memos. No, no they don't. Like, I don't know. You would think that would be prime military directive of like, ah, shots fired, shots fired. Let's call for backup or at least alert them to the situation. And radio like, something.
1: Hey, we might need backup. Get somebody ready. Because so I can understand maybe not being like send people now because they really don't know what's going on. So calling more people might be a bad thing. But
0: Renewing yeah, what the situation, how is that not a protocol? When you hear any sort of conflict, that you don't have to report back immediately with, "Hey, we walked five feet from the gate and we hear shots." Yeah, that should
1: definitely. Do I do I need to make start making memos already? Yes, <laughs> yes you
0: do. This is gonna be a memo tastic one because is there's there? a lot of that sort of <laughs> stuff that bothers me.
1: Gun. Right. If there's Gunfire immediately upon exiting the gate. Radio back to inform the SGC of the situation. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Italian All right. Memo number one. It's going
0: uh, down. We'll call it yep. the shit's going down memo.
1: The shit's going down memo. Putting that in the notes too. Yep. All right. Let me put that in there. The shit is going down cool all right so they get down the hill and they call out to the sg team that's there that they'll provide cover so they can get away and one guy calls back and asks like you know who who jack is like who are you are you here and once jack identifies himself as sg1 the soldier asks which quadrant Which, that's a very strange question. So, Jack just yells at them to, like, run and, like, get the hell out of there. But then the mystery SG team turns their weapons on SG-1, including several of them popping out from, like, hatches that have been buried in the ground. And all four members of SG-1 are knocked unconscious by some kind of red energy blast from what looks like Earth military weapons as we cut to the opening credits.
0: Yes, it's very weird to see regular weapons shooting stun gunny type star yeah. warsian blasters,
1: yeah, not not bullets,
0: yeah, also, mm-hmm. why I don't know why they didn't immediately think them identifying themselves as s g one was weird because chances are if you're trying to mimic earth military you would be aware of who sg1 is and who makes up sg1
1: this is my big problem with this episode so yeah like part of the the big thing that's going on is apophis is trying to train these non-earth people to behave as specifically sgc members And while, sure, they may not have pictures of who SG-1 is, surely Apophis can tell them what their names are and, like, SG team designations, because that is something all SGC members would know.
0: Yes, that's something at least Apophis would know, is who SG-1 is. Even if he didn't know all the SG teams.
1: Yeah, yeah. he would at least, yeah, no, SG-1, General Hammond.
0: Specifically, beware these people.
1: Yes, that was yeah. my big problem with the episode this time through. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I do not know who these people are. But anyway, so we come back from the opening credits and SG1 come to an A tent of some kind, and one of the soldier come uh, one of the soldiers from the earlier battle comes in and says they're gonna get it. Jack's like, get what? From whom? And the soldier is just like, hey, you're dead. You can't talk. And uh, he also calls Daniel Four Eyes, which Daniel is just not having any of that (laughs) because he's not in like sixth grade anymore. So no.
0: I love how he got told to like simmer down. Yeah,
1: and
0: Jack was just like punch the kid in the face.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So SG (laughs) One is just like, um, what's like? They have obviously no idea what's going on. They're very confused. What are these rules? We can't talk. Who's in charge? What's going on? And so the soldier eventually tells SG1 to follow him because the captain is waiting, and then exits the tent. And SG1 don't immediately follow, and they make note that the soldier had a very interesting patch on, like the shoulder of his uniform. It said SGX, which is not an SG which team is, that exists. Which is nothing. Which is just yeah, that's nonsense. And then he got the soldier comes back in and is like, "Hey, come on! I told you to follow me." And then Jack just kind of shrugs and is like, well, I guess we're just going to follow him. Because then, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they can find out what's oh. going on. Yeah. SG-1 then are led through a camp where there are many adolescent, young adult boys doing various military-esque training exercises. <laughs> they're all very generic. Of they're like, all very generic, like mid- boys. early 20s white boy. <laughs>
0: Like, boys with their shirts on, sparring, (laughs) pretending to fight, like, running around. Climbing
1: ropes.
0: Yeah. yeah, all extremely generic.
1: Yes. And Sam speculates that this looks like some kind of war game scenario. And could this be something set up by the NID or Mayborn? Who knows? And they're brought to the captain quote-unquote, who begins to question them. And Jack...
0: Also, like, 20 years old.
1: Yeah. And
0: so, of course, Jack
1: just mouths off because he's like, I'm a colonel, captain. And uh, the captain just, like, gets pissy right back at him at going, you know, again, mentioning some rules and regulations. And Jack asks Sam if she's ever heard of something like this in the regs. Sam's like, no, sir, I haven't. Tilk has, though... And so he kind of takes a step forward and goes, this takes the captain by surprise. And he then says, you know, oh, you came to the Chapa Eye. This must be a challenge. And the other soldier that was there goes, you mean Stargate, right? He's like, yes, of course. I mean, Stargate. And then like apologizes for making a mistake and offers his weapon so that he can be quote unquote executed for the rest of the day. And the other soldier does the same. Jack suggests to Tilk that they spare these soldiers at this point, and Tilk agrees. I do have to say, I kind of like how quickly Jack catches on to what's happening when Tilk speaks up, and the soldiers, like, st- start deferring to him, and Jack is sort of able to immediately recognize, oh, okay, he knows what's going on, He they think he's in charge, let's let Tilk be in charge. Because yeah. again, Jack is not dumb, Jack is very smart. Yeah. I like that. It was just, there was no questioning from Jack of what, why are you saying this? Don't do that. No. Okay. Took in charge. Let's just go with that.
0: So. Yeah. I wish he did that way more often in those types of scenarios
1: mm, of like,
0: yeah. aha, I'm catching with the show and this is how we're going to play this. Yeah. Because it does bother me how often he's like, no, are you idiots? This is what's happening. Like, no, no, no. Read the room. Yeah read the room i I like it when he actually does it.
1: yeah so uh, tilk then asks this captain for his full name and rank and he says my earth name is captain kyle rogers acting quadrant a commander and sam's like earth earth name like why why do you say earth name that's interesting and tilk then asks for their orders which are according to him to practice the exercises of battle according to the rules of engagement until the return of our Lord Apophis.
0: Aha! Oopsie!
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Would you like to know some information about rules of engagement?
0: (gasps) Not 98 pages.
1: No, I will not tell you 98 pages.
0: (laughs) Give (laughs) me the tiny version.
1: Okay, so the rules of engagement are internal rules or directives given to either a military force or individuals that define the circumstances, conditions, degree, and manner in which the use of force or actions can be applied in combat. So the rules of engagement aren't do X to achieve Y, it's you are in situation A, you may proceed with actions B and C. So it's really a sort of response type of scenario if you will. Hmm. okay. So like they don't tell people how to achieve a specific objective, but just what actions are acceptable in a given scenario. And there are two primary uh, ROE manuals, the NATO ROE manual, which is restricted to uh, NATO and partnership for peace countries and the San Remo rules of engagement handbook, which is free to everyone. In the entire world no login no nothing on the international institute of humanitarian law website oh. it's available in english french spanish arabic russian chinese bosnian Hungary, hungarian and thai i'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode because that is the document that i read <laughs> um, I, I mentioned it was 98 pages. It's not like a full 98 pages, like some pages like cut off at the top and then there's like a bunch of blank space before the next section starts. Oh,
0: these pages uh, were left intentionally blank? Uh,
1: none of that, no. Yeah.
0: I love when they do that. <laughs>
1: um, so the IIHL also conducts training on rules of engagement every year in San Remo Uh, This specific handbook was finally published in September 2009, so quite recently, after three years of drafting and testing with various international bodies and stuff. And one of the interesting things I found in reading through that is that rules of engagement can also be used in humanitarian aid or disaster relief missions, if any sort of military force should be involved in those kinds of situations.
0: Uh Interesting. So now, are you going to study it and pay attention to real life situations and/or movies and be like, "That's not right." Let me
1: just say, Putin is violating so many of these right now. Like he's (laughs) he is a war criminal at this point, Ah. based on the rules of engagement that I have read. Like, oh man. Yeah, it's like he mm -hmm. like you. He should have read them. He really should have. I'm sure he did, but just like, nah, I don't need it.
0: Mm. they were offered in russian yes you said Mm Mhm. okay
1: yep Yep. um so so, um going back to sort of rules of engagement in general as it is as it applies to the u.s because we're in the u.s and the sgc is a u.s operating uh military force Mm -hmm. there's actually a standardized reo um that was established in 1954 by the Joint Chiefs um, for all service branches that were in operation at that time. It wasn't until 1986 that peacetime rules of engagement were issued by the Joint Chiefs, and in 1994, that was replaced with the standing rules of engagement. As a practical matter, the rules of engagement for the U.S. specifically perform Three basic functions. One, they provide guidance from the president and the secretary of defense to deployed units on the use of force for mission accomplishment and the exercise of the inherent right and obligation of unit self-defense. Because that's that's really sort of a big part of the rules of engagement is the use of force and in what situations you can use force and how much force you can sort of push back on any sort of incoming threat with based on how serious or how heavy the incoming threat is this is what you can do in
0: return acceptably Mm, okay interesting indeed
1: the second thing is to act as a control mechanism control mechanism for the transition from peacetime to combat operations or war and finally to provide a mechanism to facilitate planning and training
0: ah alrighty.
1: so there's sort of What I was kind of able to glean is that in really from the San Remo document that I read is there sort of general rules of engagement that like NATO and other international bodies have come to agreement on. But then an interesting thing is in the San Remo document for countries that maybe aren't part of NATO or don't have any sort of rules of engagement themselves, there's actually like a template for drafting those for your country or military body or whatever. Um, and so there's sort of these general overall rules of engagement, but then you're also supposed to use those when you become like in a combat scenario to then, okay, this is the specific situation that we're in. What are the rules of engagement for this situation? Which is really interesting. I thought.
0: Is there anything that could be used in like everyday civilian life of just People that any sort of confrontations that you get into. Um, well, there's a also whole engagement section, that would dictate your behavior. The what? Huh?
1: There's a whole section on self defense.
0: Oh, fun. Okay. The like San
1: that. Remo document. So if you want to look at that, uh, which section is that? Section two. self. Yes. Yes. Part two covers self defense in the San Remo document. Mm. And it includes like personal self defense. And then, like, unit self-defense. So what to do if you personally are under attack or what to do if your, like, unit is under attack. So there you go.
0: The whole crowd is under attack. Ooh, that's interesting.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's all I got for you on the rules of engagement for this, unless you have any more questions.
0: I do not at this time, but I reserve the right to ask questions randomly.
1: Okay, so noted. Mm -hmm. I reserve the right to say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: noted. Okay,
1: to get back to the episode, so basically what's happening is these boys are training, like, SG soldiers to one day infiltrate the SGC in the name of Apophis. They've learned many things, like corn and cotton are indigenous to North America, which that will help you in battle, How? but good for you,
0: mm-hmm. I guess. You know what overall <laughs> I thought was really weird, too, is, like, how in the world Apophis thought that this plan was actually going to work. If mystery people just kind of showed up at the SGC and they were like, Oh, I'm Captain Ahab from Florida. You didn't get the memo? Yes, I'm supposed to be here. They would just kind of playing. Yeah. In. I don't I don't really know how he thought that was supposed to work.
1: And the other thing is like they can't get into the SGC without a GDO. Because yeah, they would just go flat trying to
0: sneak in with Somebody else, in which case that would never work. Perhaps that's part of the plan that Apophis did not think. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> did not share with every with the class. Yeah. I, don't yeah, I don't know. Um, but anyway, okay. So if this isn't a real bot, if this is just training, then who are the Jaffa? And they were a squad led by Captain Rogers' second in command, Captain Nelson. And he asks if they want to speak with him and Daniel's like, That won't be necessary. And Tilk's like, Yes, send for him. So Daniel's like, Yes, send for him
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that. Yes, have some.
1: It's <laughs> like, No, that's necessary. Sure. Yes, send for him. Yes, send for him. Okay. Yes. Um, and also Jack would like their weapons back, please. So Captain Roger starts leading them towards the armory when Sam notices that none of the soldiers have symbiote pouches because, of course, they're like young buff boys. So they're all working out without their shirts on because that's what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. And so. would you? Sure. I know. I don't know. I tried working out without a shirt. One. I was like, I don't. I was just, like, at home doing yoga, and I was like, I don't need a shirt. I have, you know, sports bra and stuff. No, because I Cause have, like, a mirror. not
0: a young, buff, 20-year-old man. I am not a young, buff, 20-year-old man. In were you, you any of tell, those things?
1: <laughs> if I were any be- of those things, maybe, sure, but.
0: You might feel but, differently.
1: Alas, I am not. So. <laughs> um so, according to Tilk, since Apophis hardly had any Jaffa left loyal to him, he just went out and kidnapped a bunch of humans because that's apparently also a thing that Gould do. Fantastic. So, awesome. One more pro in the Gould column. Not, no.
0: Do they say at any point in time how long those guys had been there? I think they do. I just forgot. They
1: do. And when we get to it later, you will have something to say about it.
0: Okay. I, so, yes, I remember yeah. that being weird
1: yeah in the briefing at the end yeah. when they're talking oh, with him right okay yeah. yes,
0: yes, yes, okay yeah.
1: so um, so in the armory jack's like okay you can go away to rogers and he just kind of stands there and talks like says something in jaffa and he's like okay then he leaves and there's just like a whole what looks like stash of like mp5s and 9mm and other things And they find some of their weapons, but not all of it, with the sort of quick glance they've given it at this point. And the other weapons that have this kind of red crystal on the bottom of them are what Tilk calls intar, which is short for... What do you think intar is short for, Rachel? Mm,
0: Intarnation
1: it's just short for intar oh stop it which i thought that was hilarious especially after Deadman man switching that huge long i can't even attempt to say whatever that thing is that fires from multiple directions that, i feel like this becomes a met. running gag
0: that i completely forgot about in the show of naming like, foreign weapons
1: i guess we'll 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 keep an ear out for it going yeah. forward but I, I just thought that was funny here given what happened just like a couple weeks ago yeah
0: Thank you Courtney. know what I love about this um, this episode, too, though? Especially, like, the weapons room and all that stuff. It, it's the thing we were talking about with the episode last season when they you know try to fool earth people where this means that behind the scenes there had to have been meetings right That are like no the uniform oh, looks yeah. like this somebody <laughs> needs to make them no the tents look like this somebody has to make them no all the way we have to find ma- we have to find the right materials to make these weapons and manufacture them somehow at manufacturing plants and they need yes. like there had to have been meetings and plans and someone had to make all these things and i love it
1: yes <laughs> Do you, th- do you think Gould have, like, scanners and 3D printers where they just took one of the MP5s off of sg Love and, like, scanned it into something and then, like...
0: I don't know, because they have to it. manufacture stuff somewhere, there were right?
1: Because so, there were so many of them.
0: I know. And, and also make- later
1: we learned they have real ones. Like, where did that come from with the bullets and stuff?
0: I know, and all their clothing. Do they have Gould seamstresses <laughs> and tailors? Well,
1: they must. You've seen how flash the Gould get. There's got to be somebody behind the scenes making that stuff.
0: I know.
1: Who who's the modiste to the ghouls?
0: (laughs) It surely (gasps) best be someone who's like this. No. mm." Mm. Did they have to have an entire meeting on what the fake SG team is, and they eventually eventually landed with X? We don't (laughs) know. We don't know.
1: (gasps) Oh, yeah.
0: What I love about these episodes is when you imagine, theoretically, in this universe, all that had to happen, yeah, make this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's it just good. makes
0: it so much more enjoyable.
1: So much fun. You could write a whole, like, series of books of just all the behind-the-scenes people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Okay. So, Jack asks if Tilk would be able to sort of gather everybody in one place, and Tilk's like, yes, I can. Jack's like, great, we're going to go do that. Sam and Daniel stay here, like really look through all these guns and see what's here and what's not. So Tilk asks Rogers if he has a vacuum, and he does. So great. Go get it. He runs off and comes back with this um, like small purplish sphere on like a little mini tripod. I don't know. Try. I don't know if tripod is the word for it, like a little stand that just like sits it on the ground, but it's, you know, a ball. So it needs something to stabilize it. So it doesn't just fall and flop all over the place. I don't know. It kind of looks like one of the Gould communication devices, but slightly different in color with his own little stand
0: Thingy. Yeah. for it
1: thing. Yeah. And so he sets it on the ground and, like, turns it on somehow, and a giant hologram of Apophis appears and summons all the soldiers. Sam and Daniel come running out of the tent because they just heard Apophis, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And Jack's like, don't worry, it's just a hologram. Everything's fine. Nothing to worry about.
0: Yeah. How is this also, like, a special... Super special. Ooh, you're using the thing. I, because it's obviously not really recording, but like a recording, you know, of such. Yeah. he says the same thing every time. Yeah. I don't so know, I never got why it was like a huge big deal of like, ooh, you have one of
1: those. I don't know if it's necessarily a huge deal that he has it, but just that he does have it saves them a lot of time from having to run through the woods and find everybody.
0: I guess that's true. I guess. Follow the big Apophis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Um,
1: so, most of the soldiers are then assembled, and they come to attention, and Tilk orders them to ready themselves for a weapons inspection, and he and Jack walk through the soldiers looking for any weapons that don't have the intar crystals and bullets in them, and Tilk compliments Captain Rogers on his soldiers, and Rogers then introduces Tilk to a second-in-command, Novar, who goes by the Earth name Captain Nelson? And get out your Vancouver actor bingo card because we have Dion Johnstone in his first Stargate appearance. Yay! So, uh, fun fact: Novar did not get spell checked when I was making my notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> like
0: half your fun rabbit holes that you go down. Ooh, this is somebody
1: well because when you you know you type alien words and you expect the red squiggle and when the red squiggle doesn't happen you're like why didn't that get the red squiggle
0: Why no red squiggle so um
1: there's several like manufacturing companies that are named novar but it's also apparently a spanish word that means renew oh
0: sorry then
1: so there you go it
0: was probably it was probably the spanish word that didn't probably that didn't squiggle
1: yes probably
0: Mm
1: -hmm, um so Jack then asks Tilk for permission to speak, and Tilk introduces him as Colonel O'Neill, was much loved by Apophis. Yes. Which just like, mm, Jack, you know how to swallow down a bunch of bile.
0: Okay. That
1: comment. Mm.
0: And this next part bothers me so much, but go into it, and then I'll cover okay. my commentary.
1: Okay. Yeah. So Jack compliments them all on a job well done with the whole, you know, all their training – But the whole infiltration thing is called off because of um, rain, and the war game's over, like, right now. You can go home. Leave. It's done. But Nelson isn't quite buying what Jack is selling and compliments him with how well he speaks as a Tauree. and Jack plays along and is like, thank you, and tries to convince Nelson to, like, call his men off and that the games are over. But, Quentin Nelson, Article 7, Section 3 clearly states that once the battle has commenced, it cannot be stopped. And Jack's like, ah, that's the old Article 7. So this was the point in the episode where I was starting to question why nobody knows who SG-1 is. Like, how are you yeah. not, don't you recognize these names? Even if you don't recognize their faces, you should know these names. It's
0: the legend of these people. Especially yeah. Tilk. Yeah. Yeah, especially Tilk. Yeah. Like, Apophis should be like, this is the
1: guy who betrayed me. Keep an eye out for him. He should definitely have Tilk's picture somewhere. Yeah. They all wanted poster. Yeah. Tilk is like the guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What bothered me about that scene is how, like, Jack actually somehow thought it was going to work. If he was like, oh, we're done now. Go home. Okay, bye. Yeah. your waitress. Like, Like, they should have had a little you know pow wow amongst themselves a little meeting right, that was but, like okay obviously something's weird we got to call this off we got to put out a little ruse and be like aha i have just heard from apophis he thanks you for your service but we're going in a different direction or like you know yeah something more believable other than yeah. bye he told us to tell you your paychecks in the mail i don't
1: yeah why not there like hey tilt you you know what's going on how how do we get this to stop
0: How do we get them to
1: disperse? How do we get them to stop this and go home? Yeah. Yeah. That was a little
0: like. I don't know how they didn't have that meeting. And then when like Jack is just casually like, okay, bye, everybody go. And nobody moves. He's like, what? Must speak in English here. What's up? You know, like, yeah, I don't. (laughs) They obviously
1: have no reason to believe anything you're saying because they have no idea who you are.
0: Or what you're even talking
1: about. Or what you're which, again, how do they not know who you are? But anyway. No.
0: All right,
1: yeah. <gasps> anyway. So was my
0: least favorite part of the episode is, like, when he said that. And then it was like, what? Why don't you get? Come on. Yeah.
1: Because I think it was also because we had Jack being, you know, really smart earlier. And then this was, like, the reappearance of dumb Jack. Yes.
0: I don't I enjoy like, dumb don't. Jack. I like smart Jack.
1: Me, too. He needs to stay.
0: Anyway. More, more smart Jack.
1: Yes. So, Sam and Daniel have finished searching the armory, and all they found is one 9mm, one MP5, and I think the GDO, but there's still a whole bunch of their live weapons missing, which means they're probably out on the battlefield somewhere being used by soldiers. So, Tilk then orders all the soldiers to be assembled, even those currently in battle, and Captain Rogers doesn't move, and Tilk is just like, I told you to do this, son, and Nelson says, I won't fail you again, which... Does he mean he won't fail? Or he's like, I won't fail your challenge again. Does that mean him doing what Tilk says is failing the challenge because it contradicts the rules of engagement? So him not doing what Tilk is telling him to do means he's not failing the challenge. Is that like what is happening when? Yeah, no, I couldn't with really Nelson? figure it out, but
0: probably because okay. of the fact that he doesn't do anything. Okay. I don't
1: know. Okay. So let's go with that. That Nelson is like, You've been sent here to challenge me. I will ignore what you say if it contradicts the rules of engagement and stick to the rules of engagement. So Tilt kind of like looks over at Jack and Jack just goes, Tell him. And so Tilt's like, Apophis. Also,
0: like, this is going to work.
1: I know. Apophis is dead. And like, he's like, Gods can't die. It's like, Come on. How many times have you been through this? Uh, like, how do you not understand yes. just saying Apophis is dead? Is gonna, it's, it's not gonna it's work. Not, it never works. works. No. Yeah. So obviously, you know, nobody believes him. They think this is still just part of a test, some sort of challenge from Apophis. They've passed because they don't believe anything. So they will now resume the games. Jack and Tilk head back to the armory tent where they see Sam holding that mouthy soldier from earlier hostage, sort of with an intar. And he just needed a weapon to go join the game. And Jack's like, no more games. Games are canceled. And again, the guy's like, you know, that's not a thing. They're not. They're still going on. What do you mean? So Jack just, like, shoots him with one of the intars and tells everyone else to go grab another intar. And they head out. So they come across a soldier in the woods. And he's dead. Like, real dead. Like, not fake dead shot by an intar. Like, actual real dead dead. And I do
0: find it kind of funny that ultimately their plan was just like, <sighs> Right, fine, we're just going to have to shoot everybody and stun them out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like... This totally. is how we're going to have to stop this. We're just going to have to freaking shoot everybody.
1: Yep. At the very least, shoot them to get their real weapons back and just leave and head back to Earth, I guess.
0: Something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, then a real staff blast hits the ground very nearby. Jack yells at everyone to get down, and Rogers yells... Rogers yells. Why can't... That last name, Rogers... It's really Mm -hmm. weird because there's so many and it's meh. It just gets mushy in my mouth. Anyway, Rogers yells that he'll go draw his attention and Jack yells again for him to get down because he's like, that's a real weapon. You will get really actually hurt. Don't do that. Rogers doesn't listen because Apophis will protect him and he gets a staff blast to his gut for his trouble.
0: So obviously you can tell that their practice for real battle has been going really well. Yeah, If they're all just like, I'm just going to run out in the middle of the battlefield, it'd be fine, instead of like coming up with an actual battle. It's going really well.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then Nelson's squadron of Jaffa find them or come upon them and sees the blood and Rogers tells him that it's time for the final challenge and that it must begin at first light. And Tilk explains that the final challenge is when the games stop being pretend and start being real. Like, they, like the training is done. It's time for a real, actual battle to begin.
0: So how is that supposed to happen anyway in, like, normal progression?
1: Well, Tilk says later that when he went through this, the final challenge was the day they were issued with their real staff weapons. Like, they got actual live weapons from their Jaffa masters.
0: Oh, so they think maybe that's just happened and nobody told them?
1: Yeah. Well, Sorry, right, then. So some time has passed, and Sam is back in the armory, and she's found all of SG-1's weapons now because they were turned in once those games ended because of, you know, Rogers getting shot and everything. And so the rest of SG-1 is in the infirmary with Rogers, and he and Nelson keep insisting that Apophis will save him, and Daniel's like, no. Apophis isn't going to save you. We need to get him out of here if you want him to live because he's probably got internal injuries and all that stuff. And Jack suggests they take Rogers back with them to the SGC. And, like, no, that's definitely not something they can do. That is expressly forbidden by Apophis. Like, nobody can leave during this whole final challenge thing. And so Daniel's like, well, what if we said we were taking Rogers to see Apophis personally? That way we can prove that blood has been shed and that you've completed your training. And they're like, well, then I guess that would be okay. So great. Off they go with Rogers.
0: Which was okay, quick thinking by Daniel. And he should have done a lot more of that in this episode.
1: Yeah. Daniel's kind of, I think, critically underused a bit in this episode. Yeah. Which, I mean, even though there wasn't a lot of... Archaeology stuff There was still Like culture and The sort of other stuff That Daniel does of Trying to understand people And what they're doing
0: Yes, and Daniel would have been able to curb Jack a lot more of like That's not going to work if you just call everybody idiots And tell them that it's dead Yeah uh, uh, No Nope. No. have to go with plan B Yes so they head back
1: to Earth and they're like coming through the gate in the gate room and Jack calls for a med team and Rogers like looks up at Hammond from the gurney that he's being placed on and goes, my Lord. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. And Jack's, like, like mm. and Jack's like, no, this is General Hammond. So obviously not a pop. They call him
0: Hammond of Texas.
1: Hammond of Texas. You've got to do the hand gesture of, of Texas. Texas. Yeah. Yes. Um, so Rogers realizes pretty quick He's been tricked, starts to fight against everybody, yelling at them that they'll all be struck down and that they're all going to go to hell, blah, blah, blah. But they get him secured to the gurney and Hammond's like, you need to tell me what's going on, like, right now. And Jack just goes, yes, my lord. <laughs>
0: I do again. like that. Yeah. Although I think, like, wouldn't it have been, like, a super big deal to Captain Rogers if you get out of the Stargate and you realize, holy crap, these people really are the tar... Like, these I know. people really I'm... are the enemy, and they've been here the whole time. Crap!
1: I know! I feel like... I the don't know. The
0: emotions were kind of off-key.
1: A little bit. He should have been, like unless he's just been brainwashed and be like, I'll
0: take you all down
1: myself. But yeah, the whole, oh crap, these are the actual people and we've let them into our camp to see our side of things. Yeah. Like now the enemy knows what we're doing.
0: Yeah. I, I figure I feel like that whole opportunity was missed. Cause that's the first thing I would have thought.
1: A little bit. Yeah. But also he had a, just been shot in the gut with a staff blast. So maybe his thought process wasn't at its optimal Peak.
0: Sure, we'll go with that one.
1: Okay. So, up in the briefing room, they've apparently brought some of, like, the intar weapons back with them to show Hammond, and Tilk explains a little more about this final challenge thing, and this is where he says it's the day when those Shaf'a in training received their real staff weapons and then went back into battle one more time to see who would survive. So basically survival of the fittest kind of thing. And Jack doesn't think that that's going to happen because there are no real weapons on that planet. And Tilk seems sure that even if they don't have real staff weapons, they'll still go through with this because they've kept up these games for so long, even though they've been abandoned for who knows how long, like they're still doing, this whole training exercise and Daniel's like, yeah, they don't need guns to kill each other if they really want to kill each other.
0: True.
1: So, which yeah, good point. And uh, he and Sam basically both insist that like they need to go back to try and stop this. Cause it's kind of their fault that this happened mm-hmm. <laughs> because of how they were received by this SGX team. And Hammond's like, I get it. I do, but also I kind of need more intel about what's actually really going on before he sends anybody back. So Jack's like, all right, let me go talk to Rogers and see what I can find out. So in the infirmary, Dr. Frazier tells Jack that Rogers isn't eating and he's not talking except to like insult everybody and call her Shulva. And turns out by somehow, by sheer, sheer luck, that he'll be fine. There are no internal injuries, and so physically he'll be fine, but emotionally is just it's a whole nother situation yeah. that they're dealing with.
0: So why didn't they immediately have a psychiatrist on staff or some sort of person to help deep that knows about deep programming? I don't know.
1: Because Dr. McKenzie's a horrible doctor and nobody likes him. <laughs> also he's he's apparently off site. So maybe they had called him and he was on his way, and just Jack got there first because he's there at the SGC and not. Because
0: he's cool, else. Jack, and he can get yes. through to the youngins of today.
1: Yes, and of again, all planets. Yeah. yeah, and again, nobody likes Doc- nobody likes Doctor McKenzie, so right. All right. we're gonna leave him alone. So, uh, so Jack picks up his tray of food and goes over to talk to Rogers and starts eating the sandwich. And again, Rogers just won't say anything. And like, you can start torturing me anytime now. And Jack's like, I have been torturing you with the famous tuna torture, which is it, it, that like you have a person from an alien planet and you're feeding him like a tuna salad sandwich. Like, like
0: a fish from me. Yeah, like,
1: not... I was like, wouldn't you do, you do more bland kind of thing? Because you don't know what started him off with chicken. Chicken, turkey, you know, something. There's Little
0: gotta white be something like a chicken white- on there,
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, you go to immediately to Tuna? Okay. So Rogers does eventually take, like, the other half of the sandwich that Jack is eating. And Jack, again, tries to convince him that Apophis is dead because Wiles hasn't really left you alone for so long. And Rogers still doesn't believe him. And Jack's like, okay, well, would you believe it if Apophis himself told you? And Rogers is just like, well, if Apophis can talk, he's not dead. So, which, I mean, good point Rogers, because mm-hmm, he actually has no idea. And then we cut to a little bit later, and the rest of SG-1 is there, and Daniel has brought in a TV and a VCR, and they show Rogers the tape of Apophis dying from Serpent Song in the SGC infirmary, and Rogers immediately believes everything they've ever said. <laughs> obviously, these I people are now say. speaking the truth because of this 10-second yeah. video clip.
0: Magic box. Magic um. box. But, um, yeah good on the SGC though for recording it for future purposes anyway
1: yes even but though still. the shot they used is very clearly the shot from the tv show camera and not just like security camera because the angle's yeah. all wrong but anyway they probably weren't thinking ahead that much when they actually filmed the episode so whatever mm-hmm. um but so Rogers believes. But he's now very word for all, his, all of his friends that are still on that planet because they're about to, like, kill each other for yes. this, like, dead god. So but
0: he's cured now. He's fine.
1: But, yeah, he's totally fine. Believes everything. Apophis is horrible and dead. And,
0: yeah. False god. False god. Oh, man.
1: So, Rogers is now up in the briefing room with SG-1 and Hammond. And we learned that his real name is Roth Rof. Rofigip. Mm. Yeah, you can't see. Hang on. I think I wrote it down wrong. Um, (laughs) I think there's a couple letters missing there. Um, Ruffia Gypsy. Ruffia. Ruffia Ruff. Ruffia (laughs) just. I was about to make fun of Jack for going. We can call you Kyle, right? Because your name is Kyle. It's like, no, you can call no, No, I
0: can't. You can't even write it
1: down. Again, this is just, like, a key smash of a name. Like, I get you need to come up with alien things, but, like, don't just have your cat walk across the keyboard and say, we're keeping that.
0: Aliens! Rafiapjissi.
1: Rafiapjissi. Rafiapjissi? Rafiapjissi? Yes! Rafiapjissi. Yes. It was that, that, where, which accent is this? Which which syllable does the accent go on? <laughs> um, yeah, that. Um, But again, yeah, Jackie's like, we can call you Ka, right? And he's like, yes, that's fine. And so he's, they're all like, okay, so how did this whole thing get started and everything? And he explained that all of the boys were brought to this planet from various other planets. Like, they're not all just from one planet, and then we're all transported there. They're from various civilizations. Um, about five cycles ago...
0: Ah, uh, yes. My favorite sci-fi subject is the passage of time on other planets. What does that even mean?
1: Exactly.
0: How long is the cycle? At least he didn't say years, though, because that would have been worse.
1: Yes. Yeah. But then also he's like, we were brought there five cycles ago. And I think it's Sam who's like, oh, that's when we blew up Apophis's ship. <laughs>
0: I forgot about that. Oh, yes, this how, makes perfect sense. How do
1: you know? How do you know? How? Ugh. So what
0: but time frame is she thinking that is? Years? Months?
1: Um, They blew up Apophis' ship at the end of season one. We're like about a third of the way through the season three. It's, I think it's been maybe about a year SG time.
0: So five maybe? cycles. It doesn't actually translate to like. No.
1: No. Oh,
0: that's just all wrong. It's all wrong all the way around.
1: Yes, we were brought there through our chappa eye five cycles ago from a number of different worlds. Sam goes right after we blew up Apophis's ships. (laughs) How do you know that, Sam? You have no idea what a cycle is. Does
0: not make any sense.
1: But anyway, that's where we are. Five cycles. (laughs) About the time we blew up Apophis. Four score
0: and five cycles ago, we were brought from other planets (laughs) to come together. To form a new
1: Stargate team. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh. Uh. Wrong. Yeah. But, (laughs) so not long after they got there, uh, an SG team was captured by Apophis. Apparently, again, this is the missing SG-11. And that's who taught them everything that they know about Earth. And obviously they didn't learn everything, but enough so they could learn how they speak, how they act, so that the soldiers could infiltrate the SGC.
0: But by God, they learned about corn.
1: Corn and cotton. Yes. Yes. Sometime later, SG-11 were killed. Rogers doesn't know how, and put on display in the camp. And then eventually, all of the Jaffa masters left, leaving them alone to continue the games. Just with them he then requests the help of the sgc to go stop the final challenge because it turns out they do have real live weapons uh he and uh nelson were shown a store of mp5s in a cave uh, by one of the jaffa masters before they left they were like if when the final challenge comes and we're not here here's where your weapons are
0: Mm -hmm. so question yes when all of the rest of the Jaffa people left, do you think they had any intention of ever coming back?
1: No, no, I don't I think so.
0: No. no.
1: I don't know why I think that, but I just I don't think so now.
0: Yeah, I feel like the situation was they knew they couldn't get the information out of SG11 that they wanted, mm-hmm. and they realized like this plan is not going to work. So then they were like, "Goodbye, people. We will yeah. be back for you. Keep doing what you're doing.:
1: Yeah, Excel. So I feel like if maybe they didn't intend to return, like one of the masters would have stayed and like the other people would have gone to get information to come and come back if they, you know, they just needed yeah. to powwow with Apophis for something.
0: But uh, the fact yeah. that
1: all of them left.
0: Yeah. I so think. the general feeling is they were just like, bye, keep going. We'll come back for you. Bye. Yeah. Pretty much it.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there's still the issue, though, of everyone else believing Rogers when he tells them that Apophis is dead. And Sam's like, well, Jack had the best idea already. Surely, obviously, you know what I'm thinking. And Jack's like, obviously, I don't. (laughs) Yes. So uh, Sam has the idea to basically take the video of Apophis dying because it convinced Rogers in like two seconds that we were telling the truth and everything is we're, we're the right ones and they're wrong and basically upload it quote unquote to the vocum to show all of the soldiers that are there. They just kind of have to like make it through the battle first back to the camp and they can use the intars for that. And Rogers requests permission to go back with them and Jack backs them up because they are his men and hopefully will like listen to him if they Mm -hmm. don't listen to SG-1. So yeah. So SG-1 and Rogers are walking through the halls of the SGC in full combat gear and camo paint, and Jack asks Rogers to go over the final challenge scenario one more time, since the first time they talked about it, it was off-screen. It would be really helpful for the viewers to know what's going on. Yeah. So he says, um, my elite SG squad is to defend the encampment from the invading force of other SG teams, led by Captain Nelson. The attacker's the attackers are greater in number, but the defenders have greater firepower. And Sam's like, but everybody's going to be in SG uniforms. Yes, everybody's in SG uniforms. Okay, so SG-1 are going to take the encampment, become the defenders, hold off the other side while Sam works on getting the Volcume up and working, and Rogers is to stick with Sam like glue. Like, basically, Rogers and Sam are going to become, like, one team for this mission. <laughs> so... Uh, they head through the gate, and when they exit back on the planet, gunfire can be heard immediately, and then they get fired on themselves, and they duck behind some trees, and Rogers darts off to draw the fire. Again, like he did earlier, SG-1 managed to subdue the guys shooting at them with the intars, and Jack basically chews Rogers out for running off, and is like, I told you to stick with Sam. Don't do that, and, like, swats him upside the head, like he's, like, scolding his son or something. A well, little funny. Yep. And so they've made their way back to the main camp, and there are a few soldiers patrolling. Like, there's not many people left in this camp to defend it. And Roger steps out, and they're like, you're here, what are you doing? And he's like, like have-
0: hey, man, where have you been?
1: And he tells them he has glorious news from Apophis, and then they all get shot with the Antars from SG-1. So, time to get the vocume and get it up and running and Jack and Daniel take cover and start firing at the attacking SG teams and Rogers. For some reason, Rogers goes to one tent to get the vocume and then takes it to Sam and Jack who, Sam and Tilk who are in another tent to do the upload rather than Sam and Tilk going to the tent where the vocume is.
0: It doesn't really make sense. I didn't
1: quite get it either. Um, so, but Rogers passes off the vacuum and then goes to help Jack and Daniel, even though Rogers was supposed to, like, stick with Sam during this whole thing? Or was that just until they got to the camp? I don't know. Maybe was, until like, they
0: obtained the vacuum.
1: Maybe. But Tilk, like pushes a button, and he's like, great, the vacuum's ready to go, and Sam's like, I need more time, Earth to Ghoul technology isn't just like plug and play, <clears throat> Independence Day, <clears throat> although I didn't quite, un- like, she- matching frequencies, I was like, I don't think that's a thing, but okay, sure, go something like that, but yeah, it is not plug and play, so they're taking more fire, and then um, mortar shells start coming in because it turns out there weren't just MP5s in the cave. There was like a whole bunch of other stuff that for some reason, Rogers didn't tell Jack back in the briefing room.
0: Fantastic. And
1: so, but finally Sam has the transfer done and runs out to the middle of the camp and turns it on and the hologram of Apophis, the hologram of Apophis from earlier first starts where he's like, just gather soldiers and hear me or whatever it is. And so all the soldiers come into the camp and Nelson argues that this is against protocol and that the final challenge is to the death and summoning Apophis is against the rules of engagement. And Jack's like, shut up and listen to like what he has to say. The image, giant hologram of Apophis, then changes to giant hologram of Apophis dying in the SGC. Yeah, everyone it's just, just like part of his face. Yes, it's just a, <laughs> just a very tight close up of his face.
0: Me, Yeah.
1: And everyone just stares at up in shock and disbelief and roger's like i this is the truth apophis is dead and Nelson's just like where do we go now and rogers goes home the end as everybody just kind of slowly walks away
0: like, was okay.
1: like this is again one of those episodes it just kind of stops but doesn't really end yeah <laughs> but that's it that's that's rules of engagement for you <laughs> it's fire. episode that's it that's the show i know yeah that's what we got this week yeah. Uh. So, um, any additional member- memos besides the shit is going down memo?
0: Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do you think it was a good idea for them to bring Rogers back to Earth? Because it very quickly could have gone sideways of him, like, trying to get secrets out or something.
1: Well, I think it was fine because they know what his deal is. Like, they know... They can't trust anything this person has to say, really. So I and I'm sure they would have patted him down thoroughly and examined him thoroughly and scanned him thoroughly for implanted explosive devices, as they're supposed to do now upon return from any mission (laughs) where they bring people who are not from the SGC back to the SGC. Mm I think, I think it was okay in this scenario because they, they know what the deal is with this guy unlike every other time this
0: has happened. Yeah. I, I think the other memo I would just have is come up with a better plan B for telling people that their gods are not real and, and or dead <laughs> other than just come on now. Come on. Uh, up. Fake it. Not, not right. I think, yeah, they need to come up with a much better plan B. Got it. <laughs> I think Tilk needs to kind of take... You know what, though? Tilk still does it, too, though. Tilk is yeah. one of the people that's like, he is a false god. Yes. And when they don't believe him, he's like, what?
1: But I just told you he's a false god. Believe me. Why do I you, don't, why don't, know don't, know don't you believe you me? I don't know who you are, so why should I believe you? Yes,
0: um, yeah. Better plan. Okay. Okay. Yep. Cool.
1: Um. So and the I- type.
0: Yeah. maybe they could start to come up with like a time chart for what, what time on different planets that'd be really funny if in the SGC you know how you see like the multiple clocks from multiple time zones <laughs> around the planet you can, yeah. like, <laughs> different clocks for different planets and it's not like you know the 12 hours for all of them sometimes it's like 84 and sometimes it's like you know depending on what their hour is right Oh, I would love that gag. Okay. That would have been awesome. That would be fun. Somebody in the prop department should have gotten a raise if they thought of that one. Oh yeah.
1: And, and I mean, you don't have to have one for every planet. Just any planet that an SG team is on.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't need like thousands of them. Just like a dozen or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're the main ones that we frequent.
1: Yes. Abydos definitely be the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. yep. Okay. Um, they would be
0: labeled with names. it would be the symbols.
1: Yes. As a reminder of this
0: is don't just dial Abydos and hope you go to another <laughs> Did we mention that as a memo? You can't. Abydos doesn't go everywhere. You can't oh, dial Abydos. I don't know. I don't think so. Cause, oh, it's been
1: Does a while need since, to go since we've the ax- I don't know. I think that would have been like a season two memo if we had one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not on numbers. No. Yeah, <clears throat> we talked about it.
1: Yeah. So it's just like it's one of those goofs where it's just like they have like the one insert shot they just reuse over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the title rules of engagement. I think fairly obvious this week where it's from, and actually no fun and interesting like foreign ter- foreign territory titles this week because it's
0: international because because it is yeah it is literally international
1: yes Mm. everybody knows what the rules of engagement are so well they do now yes documented uh yeah um all right final thoughts on this episode
0: yeah i mean i thought it was an interesting idea but mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those that, like, it starts off like, ooh, this is fascinating. But then if you actually think about it, you come up with the things that we thought of discussing mm-hmm. it. Of, like, how is it nobody knows who they are? How yeah. is it that somebody actually thought this plan was going to work? How? Yeah. And like, yeah. It... <laughs> so I guess yeah. it makes it fascinating in that sort of way that it, it yeah. starts off good. And then you're like, wait, oh. no, none of this is a good idea. No. Yeah. yeah especially in okay. the end all the kids are like oh well i can be home in time for lunch <laughs> awesome i have a wife and three kids at home and i'm 18 I don't, okay. yep yeah
1: <laughs> yeah again that ending though is just like and uh, okay there's still like a whole nother act to like wrap things up but yeah just don't have time yes. so
0: how it do you, you go it's about a TV show? deprogramming and getting people home and yeah not having them do PTSD and oh my yeah. god, so many yeah. things. Yeah. Do they have insurance for this? We don't know.
1: Well Rogers was the only one who got injured, so
0: do they get military benefits? <laughs> we don't know.
1: <laughs> does, does, <laughs> does 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 Apophis have have an IRA plan?
0: <laughs> Can any of them actually join the SGC? Because now apparently they know how to be an SGC member.
1: I mean, that's true. What if somebody, like, goes back home and is, like, not deprogrammed and then, like, suddenly an SG team shows up on his planet? Like, what's going to happen
0: then? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Ooh, that would have been a a fascinating follow-up. The SG team shows up on somebody's planet and they're like, hey. I was
1: you for five (laughs) cycles.
0: (laughs) five cycles.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Um. so before we wrap up this week, we have a listener email.
0: Yay!
1: So this comes to us from Carl. Hi, Carl. Thanks for writing in. Hello, and Carl. So he goes, hey, guys, have a question I hope you can address on a future episode. Well, you've got your wish because we're addressing it right now. Uh, kind of long-winded, but I hope you get the point. Do you think SG teams are badly composed? Like, is the mix of skills too narrow? For instance, SG-1 has two scientists and three military personnel with four people in total. I think that SG team should have more members than four, maybe six. This way you can arrange the team for the best configuration for the specific mission. AKA, it seems kind of dumb that Daniel would be brought on combat military missions and also seems silly to have a heavy military presence on purely, cer- purely scientific missions. Hope you get my point. Hope you can answer your sincerely, Carl. P.S. Daniel is in fact so pretty, but can we have some love for just how gorgeous Sam is? Yes, Sam. <gasps> Sam yes, is, we
0: can, because Sam, Sam is gorgeous. Is gorgeous. And yes, Amanda, we can, Carl.
1: And Amanda Tapping is one of the loveliest people yes. you could ever meet. If you yes. get a chance to meet her, go do so, because she's just, yes, she's the loveliest.
0: Gorgeous all the way around.
1: Yes, inside yes. and
0: outside. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So what do you, what do you, what do you think about that? Do you, cause I, it has come up a few times. I think when we've been discussing episodes, like, why is Daniel here? This is like war. Why do we have this? Yeah, and why like, is like Tilk here? This is science, you know, archaeological I feel stuff. like
0: we had talked about this before. Maybe Carl just hasn't gotten there yet in, in all of our episodes that we have so far. Yes. Um, The episode where they have to go find, the Stargate in the warehouse, and yeah. they're doing, like, a military reconnaissance-style mission, and Daniel is there, too. Yeah. I believe that we noted that very much did not make sense. Yeah. Um, so, I think we brought it up also that we discussed that SG-1 is kind of made up for first contact, which is why it's kind yes. of like a broad mix, and then the other SG teams are specialized according to follow-up situations. Yes. And I don't remember yeah. how many or what other teams there were because my memory is awesome like that.
1: Yeah, I think I think he does have a point that four is maybe a little too small for some things. Um, I do think SG-1 being first contact is a decent mix because Jack and Tilk are very much just soldiers. And while you have Daniel, who's just sort of science guy... You also have Sam, who is sort of half science, half soldier. So I think between the four of them, they cover a wide enough range of specialties to be able to go in, assess the situation, be like, is this a mil- like a combat thing or is this a people thing? And then figure out where to go right. from there. But again, as we noted in this episode, Jack doesn't necessarily step back maybe as often as he should when it's a non-combat situation when
0: when another expertise is really needed yes that is true
1: Mm -hmm. so speaking of specific teams i did find a list on the stargate wiki of all 25 known stargate teams um at this point in time what was sg11 um sg11 was or has been because there have been several incarnations of SG-11 throughout the years as this team got wiped out. And then in a future episode, SG-11, SG11 gets wiped out again. Um, man,
0: bad has, like
1: SG-11. Has been in general archaeological engineering scientific type team. So mostly non-combative team.
0: Ah. Uh,
1: w- would you like what this website has figured out the specialties of the 25 SG teams are?
0: Yeah. Is it a good mix or is it kind of? It seems to be. Okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So SG-1, obviously they have as like exploration. So first contact. Uh, SG-2 is also exploration research, but also search and rescue. SG-3 is the Marine Combat Unit also does search and rescue. They're often the ones that are like, hey, this team is missing. Let's get the SG-3 Marines in there. Um, SG-4 is Medical Exploration and also, in the future, the Russian unit, once the Stargate becomes international. SG-5 is another Marine Combat Unit. SG-6 is a Search and Rescue Team. SG-7 is a Scientific and Medical Team. SG-8 is Medical. SG-9 is Diplomatic, which that one we did have when... um, SG1 got sent to that prison planet. They called in SG9 to go try and negotiate with that, you know, mysterious voice, but like disembodied voices of that tribunal that were like, you will go to jail where we met the mm-hmm. If you remember that episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, SG10 is military and exploration. SG11, archaeological engineering and scientific. SG12 is military and medical. SG13 is survey and covert ops. SG14 is exploration along with SG15. SG16 is a scientific team. SG17 is another exploration team. SG18 is more Marines. SG19 is covert ops. SG20 is another Russian unit. Um, SGs 21, 22 and 24 are unknown. Uh, SG23 is a like a security forces unit and SG-25 is a specifically army combat unit.
0: So then it'd be interesting to kind of figure out how they categorize them. Is it just like a need basis where they're like, okay, we need another team that's like these people. And then they kind of tech them on the end.
1: It seems to be because when the SGC first started, they were given the go ahead to create nine SG teams at the start And then by like, I think the end of season one, we were up to like 12. So I think it's sort of as missions go on and they see like what's happening and where the sort of initial first contact and exploration teams are going, okay, we need a team that can do this kind of thing.
0: Yeah.
1: But I think even then, like with the archaeological and the more scientific teams, I think it does make sense to at least have one military member who's sort of specifically like the soldier because, again, you are. You know, on an alien planet, you don't know what's going to be there, even if it's just crazy wildlife, like big, huge alien bears or something. Somebody who can be security. Yes, like security, if you will, for the rest of the team. Because we do we do learn there are like Daniel, there are other civilian members on various SG teams. They're not all military like they are. Mostly, I'd probably say more than not are military people, but there are. Like, there are other archaeologists and, um, like, anthropologists on teams, as we'll see in later seasons when Daniel gets to do more of his stuff. But, yeah.
0: And I don't remember if, as the SG exploration teams grow, do the teams, like, back on Earth kind of researching stuff grows? Or also, like, just the medical team caring for people that come back? Or does the infirmary say that like tiny room as big as a closet that fits like four beds? <gasps> and and Dr. Fraser seems to be like the only doctor
1: <laughs> um, the whole time. Yeah.
0: I mean, I
1: think the inf- the like even though it's called the infirmary, I think there's like several rooms that are infirmary like rooms. Um That's what because you there no are room. Well, because, like, the infirmary we saw in this episode was a lot smaller than I remember it being in other episodes. Mm. Um,
0: they do so... also somehow have holding cells.
1: Well, yeah, yes. But yeah. also, there are, they're 25 levels down. So there are, like, 20 floors in which they can have stuff and people and things. and Stuff, stuff and, and, people,
0: and people and things? Stuff
1: and people and things, yes.
0: Oh, man. How yeah. many people, how many things? We don't know.
1: No, we don't. But
0: but I'm gonna assume it's a lot of stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it may just be, you know, this is a TV show. There's only so much they can do in a TV show. But you know, I think what? approaching it, if if this were real, if the if the Stargate Command was a real place, sorry to burst your bubble, it's not. Um, yeah. I think I do think for practicality purposes, there could be a a, a greater range of skill sets on specific teams
0: Mm, yeah
1: i don't see that as necessarily a bad thing
0: no no I i think i think um i don't know how i ended up on feeling about if the teams themselves should be expanded but i think that varies too
1: yeah i mean on this this list does include um like team members and it does seem like some teams are bigger than others so let's see um, well,
0: I think the cutoff was always at like four. I thought I remember yeah. some teams being bigger.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, like four is sort of good for like a starting place. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there are some teams that are bigger. But I don't know how often we actually see that.
0: Yeah. You know? guess we'll have to keep an eye out. Yep. Keep a weather eye. Yes. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, that was fun
1: yeah thanks carl and uh thank you everybody for listening as always you can find us on twitter at sg underscore rewatch or send us an email like carl did at woo that's w-o-o-s-g rewatch at gmail.com don't forget to rate and review us please on your preferred podcast listening platform and we will see you next time with your kleenex for forever in a day